Today, our topic is preparation. This follows along with the Advent calendar. And this week, we begin to prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare our souls for the expectation and the anticipation of Christ and his birth that we'll celebrate, obviously, on, on Christmas Eve when all of this series and, and this time culminates uh, with our Christmas Eve services. This morning, what I want to do is I want to walk through this story that was just read to you in Luke chapter 1 and, and talk about what it looks like for you to be prepared for what God wants to do in your life and through your life. And there's some principles that we can pull out of the story this morning that will help us to be ready for what God wants to birth out of you, what he wants to do through you, the hope and the redemption that will come out of you. Each and every one of us has been called by God to be a spreader of hope and redemption. And so this morning, we're going to get ourselves ready for that. Their story, of course, starts with an angel showing up to Mary. And so we'll start where the story starts. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from, the God, from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, the story this morning is going to be broken up kind of into two parts. And the first part is getting prepared to receive a call of God or a mission. The second part is going to be uh, getting prepared to execute the call or the mission. And either one of these things we can be unprepared for. And when we're unprepared for something, don't we just know it's not nearly as much fun or it's not nearly as successful as it could be or as comfortable uh, as it might be. Like it is kind of a general life principle that the more prepared we are for something, the better that thing is. Yesterday, I went on an 18-mile walk. This was an intentional decision, just to clarify. My car did not break down or anything. There's a group of guys in the church that I texted, and I was like, hey, who wants to go on a walk, like an 18-mile walk? And so what we did is we walked from uh, Farnsworth Park in Waterville nine miles down to Grand Rapids and ate a delicious breakfast and then walked the nine miles back. Well, we started at 6 a.m. It was a little rainy yesterday from 6 to 9 a.m. Uh, those were the first three hours of our trip, and they were pretty miserable from like a weather perspective. But before I left, because I knew I was preaching on this, I thought to myself, be prepared. Prepare however you can. So I threw like extra gloves. I, threw, I even threw extra socks that I changed in the restaurant out in front of everybody, but that's okay. And I was like as prepared for like any like trip like this because I said, I'm not going to get cold and I'm going to make sure I have everything I need. I even brought my chapstick, okay, to make sure that my lips wouldn't go dry. And so I was prepared for this trip. That's because I was preaching about preparation. I had a cheat code. There were four of us on this trip. Let me tell you about one of them. He showed up did not have a coat. He was grossly, practically unprepared for this trip. He felt it most of the first six miles, nine miles actually. Then we got to the restaurant and like the scene from Dumb and Dumber, one of my buddies, the other guy was like, hey, I got an extra coat in my bag. 
So that happened. Now let me tell you about another guy who went on our trip. He misread the text. He thought our 18-mile walk was like an 18-minute walk. He brought a rucksack filled with 30 pounds in it. We're like three miles into the trip talking about breakfast and Grand Rapids and something goes off in his head. Oh, crap. We're not turning around. Like, well, we are in six miles. He was grossly, emotionally, spiritually unprepared for this trip. When God calls us to something, there's a combination of the practical and the spiritual that he brings together. And the end result is the deliverance of hope and redemption. And every one of you who are in Christ has been called by him to deliver hope and redemption. I don't care if you're 16 or you're 86. Anything over or under. Mary probably was under that age. God wants to extend his hope and his redemption through you. And I want you to be prepared for it. Practically and spiritually. So the first thing we see here in the text is uh, the calling of Mary, the, uh, the, the, the mission, giving it to her. In the sixth month, right, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. We learn here that God sends specific messages to specific people at specific times for specific purposes. And Mary is uh, in no way, from a human perspective, different than anyone else. In, in the same way that God uh, used Mary, maybe not in the exact same way, but in a similar way that God used Mary, he uses us. And as we read through this first half of the story, it points us to these principles of preparation to receive a call of God. Like as we begin to read this, the first obvious question is like, well, who's Mary? And where's Nazareth? Like who are these people? Why Mary? See, one of the things, the first thing here in getting prepared to receive the call that we see in the text, and we see this all throughout the scriptures, is that it often happens in secret. Like God usually starts to work in people's life, lives in, in, in secret. David, the prophet, didn't even know he was out in the field. Moses went from prince of Egypt to just a shepherd out in a field or out in a desert. And God begins to work these things in secret. And so right now, up to this point, your whole life could be in uh, obscurity or relative obscurity to what it is that God wants you to do. And this is how he often starts. You ever heard the phrase, that person was a 10-year overnight success? Like all of a sudden, something uh, someone's song or someone's business or something, it like it blows up in the best of ways and everyone's like, oh, overnight success. <laughs> no, that person's been working hard for 10, 15, 20, however many years. What God starts, he starts in secret. So right now, you might be in secret. 
Maybe no one knows your name. Maybe, maybe we don't even know you at this church really yet because we haven't got to know you and God's going to do something through you that delivers hope and redemption. It often starts in secret. You continue reading and it gives us another clue. It says, he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. <laughs> but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Let me tell you something. Mary is smarter in this way, as a young girl, than most of the men in the Bible. A lot of men in the Bible, they have angelic experiences, and they get afraid, and, or they hear this phrase, oh, favored one, and they respond to it. Mary hears the phrase, oh, favored one, and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what does that mean? What kind of greeting is that? Well, let me tell you biblically what kind of greeting, oh, favored one, is. Oh, favored one is a greeting that should make all of us go, whoa, hold on. Hold on. Let me tell you a couple of people that were favored ones. Noah was a favored one. In secret, he built an ark. Think of all that Noah went through as the favored one. Job. Job was called, O oh, favored one. Think about what he went through. Mary is called favored one. Think about what she went through. Jesus is called, O oh, favored one. Think about what he endured. O oh, favored one. It points us to the second thing that happens when God is preparing us when we're getting prepared to receive the call, and that is that it is often tied to suffering and difficulty. That the path to spiritual leadership or the path to being used by God in a significant way is uh, connected and tied to difficulty and refinement. Oh, favored one. I believe this is a term that God would use now for all of us who are under the favor of his son, which means if God is going to use you, and I believe that he will, get ready. Because beginning to walk down that path doesn't just mean that everything is easy, clean, and simple. It means that God is ready to refine you, to use you. So it often happens in the secret and there's often like suffering that is associated with like getting us ready to receive the call. And then we see the third one come in here in a little bit. He says, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be a great, he will be great and will be called son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. The angel begins to point to the reign of Jesus, his kingship, and all that Christ is going to end up doing in this world. And the, the third thing that we often see when God is preparing people to receive a call is this, that they spend immense time soaking in the presence of God. Moses, the glory coming from the, the bush, the presence of God there, then the glory from the mountain. 
right? Joshua, great story early in the Old Testament where Joshua, who would be the one who would deliver the children of Israel into the promised land. Moses is in the tent. Joshua is like his mentee. And Moses is in the tent and he's worshiping God. And then there's this first time where where Joshua is mentioned. And all it says of him is that he stayed in the tent when Moses left. He just stayed in the tent. Why? To soak in the presence of God. And I also think that, that this idea of soaking in the presence of God, it's, like, it's almost like, a, uh, in some regards, it's like a bank account that never runs out. Where when you begin to fill it and when you make deposits into it, it's just something that carries you through life. Which means this, by the way, those of you who are students in here, your college students or you're early on in your 20s, like the more you soak in the presence of God now, the more that's going to carry on into the rest of your life because you can't get this time back later to soak in the presence of God. You can always soak more in the presence of God in the future, but you can't go back. And so those of you who are young now, like when you soak in the presence of God, you are filling up like some kind of of account that God is going to use later. Those of you who are not 16 or 20 or whatever anymore, be today who you want to be tomorrow, right? So if the person tomorrow is somebody who soaks in the presence of God, then just start doing that today. God's still going to use you because if this story This story teaches us a lot, but one thing it also teaches us is God will use any prepared person. He's going to use any prepared person. If he's going to use Mary, the um, unknown virgin, to, uh, to bear his child, God will use any prepared person. He can use your past. He can use your mistakes. He can use your biggest failures. He will use any prepared person. In fact, the way that God typically does it, when we look at somebody like David, who in secret was out in the fields harnessing his skills and his talents. No one knew he was out there, but God did. The same way that no one might know what you're doing right now, how you're harnessing a a talent, how you're developing a skill, how you're soaking in the presence of God. But God knows. And so stay faithful in those things. And when the, when the difficulties come, don't see that as, oh, God must have lifted his hand. Oftentimes, it means that he has called you favored one, and he is refining something out of you so that you can deliver the hope and redemption that he wants you to deliver. And so this is what's going on in Mary. And she receives the call of God on her life, uh, an unbelievable call. You're going to bear the child of God, the one that the world has been waiting for for thousands and thousands of years. She's ready to receive it. Now, it is one thing to receive the call. It's another thing then to go the next step and to actually execute the call. And sometimes this is where there's like a pause or a break. Like, like some of you, if you follow the metaphor, like you've been pregnant for like 12 years. And the call is just sitting there. Some of you look like you've been pregnant. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Listen, I saw somebody in the front row patting their stomach, okay? I had to, I had to roll with it. We walk 18 miles once a month. You can come join me. I'm just kidding. Okay. 
And it's just been sitting there. And on the other end of you birthing what God has called you to are marriages that are fixed, salvations that occur, generosity that is extended. And instead, it's just been sitting there. See, it's one thing to receive the call. It's another thing then to carry out the call. Now, Mary, who is a remarkable, remarkable young lady, says to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Fair question. Very fair question. See, what's happening here is, is that it's moving from, uh, from the, the calling to the execution. Now, a, a few stories earlier, there was a, a moment where an angel appeared to a, a man named Zechariah, and Zechariah asked the question of God, and when he asked the question of God, God made him mute, made him mute. God doesn't do that to Mary. Why? There's a difference in the questions that they're asking. In the question that... Zechariah asked to God, he was questioning God's power and his sovereignty. And the question that Mary is asking of God, uh, we believe she's just questioning the process. Like, it's one thing to question God and to doubt his power and his sovereignty. It's another thing to just simply say, okay, God, if this is true, then what do you want me to do? And see, the first step from moving from you've received the call, right, to now stepping into the call is to begin to ask the right questions of what God would have you do now. Not just sitting on it, but, but beginning to ask the right people. And we'll talk about who those people are and asking the right questions. Like if God has begun to birth something inside of you and you have sensed that he is calling you to it and he's filling you with it and, and he wants you to do something with it, like, like the, to ask the practical question of like, okay, so what does this look like next? Like you want to be married and you're not. Like asking the right question says, okay, God, what can I begin to do to get myself ready for it? Now, it's not only perfect people that get married, trust me. I know at least one who wasn't. But the idea is, God, what can I begin to do now? You want to be a parent, and you're not. God, what can I begin to do to get ready for this? You want to lead something. You want to start something. Uh, you want to help a certain group of people in a certain way. What's, what's the right question to ask to begin the process moving? Got to ask the right questions. That's what Mary does. She's like, how is this going to be? But then we have got to make sure that we listen to the answer. And I think it's clear as God is with Mary, is as clear as he wants to be with us if he really wants to see what he's called us to, to come out. It says this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. There's so much happening right here in these responses. The second thing, or the second principle of now executing the call is this. Realizing that you are going to have to rely on the utter necessity of the Holy Spirit's power. That if you're going to accomplish the thing that God has called you to accomplish, it's not going to be because you're awesome. He 
he's going to use your skills and he's going to use your gifts and he's going to use your talents and he's going to use who he has made you to be. But in the end, it is the Holy Spirit's power that is going to make it. And so perhaps right now you've like received a call and you've stepped over and you're moving into execution and you feel like you're asking the right questions and doing the practical things. But what you haven't yet done is just tapped into the Holy Spirit's power. He said, okay, this, this isn't me. God, if this is going to happen, it's going to be because of you. So God, make it happen. Make it happen. Step two. By the way, you're going to see the Holy Spirit just keeps coming up in here. I think we're going to soak in the presence of God and his Holy Spirit. We're going to build that up. Then we're going to move over into this execution. And then we're going to realize, like, there's some practical things that we got to do, right? Like, like, you should wear a coat on a long walk in the rain, right? There's some practical things you got to But then you're going to move into this place, and you're going to go, okay, God. Oh, man, but I can't. I'm not capable of this myself. I, I need your Holy Spirit power to do this. I remember a time early... Um, before I'd ever launched a church, you know, praying in my basement, and the, the statement, I'm going to summarize, that I felt like God had given me was, I'm not asking you to do this because I think you're awesome. I'm asking you to do this because I'm awesome. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's different. God's not asking you to do something because you're awesome but he's awesome and he can do it. And he's going to use you. He's going to use Mary. He's going to use the prepared person. But he's the one who's going to do the work. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Don't you see it here? It's beginning to birth. I'm already past that part. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the ch- will overshadow you, by the way. Listen, if, if you're still shining brighter than the Holy Spirit, you're not doing it right. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Let him come out. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. God is often doing something in somebody else the same time he's doing something in you and he's going to bring those two things together. So one of the reasons that you and I can be faithful to the call that God has given us is because he is connecting that call to somebody else's call and he's going to use those things intertwined. And so if I'm going to do my call, I need you to do your call. And if you're going to do your calling, you need me to be faithful to mine. And when we're all faithful together in the calling of what God has given us, he begins to weave this thing through. And then all of a sudden, dead things start coming alive. Broken things start getting fixed. Not just because of one person's calling, but because God is using all of these callings. And God's got something he wants you to do, friends. For nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Third step here in this process is this. At some point, right, you're saying, oh, yeah, I'm relying on the Holy Spirit, right? And and we can rely on the Holy Spirit power, but we've got to make sure we get to step three as well. And here's step three. Mary 
says this, I'm just a servant of the Lord. I mean, think about the titles that could be and have been given to Mary. I mean, she is the mother of the Messiah. She is the woman who 4,000 years ago when the angel was talking, like that's who he was talking about in the garden, like through the seed, right? Like this is, uh, Mary is, how could she know that, that like thousands of years later, people would still be talking about her, right? How could she know that like people would revere her, that there would be even people that pray to her, right? Like, like Mary's here and all she can look and say is go, I'm just a servant. Like I'm just a servant. And friend, the only proper response to receiving a call from God and then beginning to see his Holy Spirit power move is for all of us to just look at ourselves and go, I'm, I'm just a servant. Like, this is why when people say, like, hey, what do we call you? Like, when people new to the church, I'm like, hey, what do we call you? And I'm like, you just call me Stephen, or you can call me servant, or you can call me slave. Like, because those are the words that are used with Jesus. And like, I want to be associated with him. Like, because, because we're just servants. Humility precedes honor. Humility precedes honor. And like the, the path then for this thing to move from calling to execution and what God, this step right here before he wants to do this, is he's going to make sure that he's going to squeeze out every ounce of pride in you. He's going to squeeze it out. I mean, he did this in the first part, right? Where, where, where oftentimes we're in the secret and we're obscure. And sometimes we get in the secret and we can start saying, God, why aren't you using me in better ways or different ways? Or what about this? Or what about that? Or then the suffering comes and we think, man, God, you must have abandoned me, but that's actually God refining you. And then we get on the other side of the call and he's like, I'm just going to squeeze out every little bit of pride. And some of us, right, right, like the, the, the birthing, it, it's, like, it's, like, it's like almost there, but God's waiting. And he's like, I want I got to squeeze that last ounce out. I can get you to the place where you can say, I'm just a servant. I'm just a servant. I mean, in a moment, right? Like, I could be done preaching here. God can bring somebody else up, and they can do all the preaching. I'm just, I'm just a servant. That's all any of us are. We are just servants of the king. It's interesting because so often when we talk about calling, and we talk about mission, and we talk about what God wants us to do, it so often comes back to being about us and what we're doing. And as you walk through the progression here, you realize that even though God uses us, it's not even about us. It's about what he's trying to do. I was reading that book this week, and I was talking about an axe, right? Just imagine an axe thinking more highly of itself than it ought. What does an axe do apart from somebody swinging it? Rot. Right? And we, you could be the sharpest axe in the world. <laughs> but until somebody starts swinging it, no tree's getting cut down. My friend, you could be the sharpest person in the world, but until the Holy Spirit starts swinging you, <laughs> nothing's moving. We're just we're just servants of the king, man. So Mary, I think now, <laughs> yeah, I think she's at this place where she's like, okay, all right, 
I'm just a servant, God. You do what you want. And then it says, the angel departed from her. And so then Mary gets up. And in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now we're beginning to see how the spiritual and the practical are kind of like working in, in flow here. And so the angel is gone now and Mary's there and she's probably like, okay, well, hold on. What do I do next? And she teaches us what to do next. She goes and she surrounds herself with the right people. And how did she know that this was the right person? Because the Holy Spirit had told her. Like just like in the statement before, he had brought up Elizabeth. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will bring up and will place into your life the right people who are going to help you see the redemption that he's called you to happen. And so Mary now, she's got the call. She's sitting on the call and she's humbled herself before the Lord. And she's like, I'm ready to be used by you, God. Whatever it is that you want to do, the angel leaves. And Mary with haste goes and surrounds herself with the right people or the right person in this case. And it's Elizabeth. She enters the house of Zechariah. She greets Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we know that we're surrounding ourselves with the right people? The first thing, they're filled with the Holy Spirit too. I remember when we started talking about planning this church and uh, Lindsay and I were chatting and we we're, were like, okay, do we do this? Do we not do this? And we looked at uh, the, the three elders who were going to do it with us and their three wives and we said, well, we know those six are like filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's like a good start. Like when you surround yourself with people filled with the Holy Spirit, like you're headed in the right direction. Like you can get practical advice and you can get practical wisdom and it's not that that isn't good. Like, it is good, and you should get that. But there's certain advice, and there's certain wisdom, particularly as it relates to what God wants to do in you and through you, where you got to be surrounded by people filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, you want to see, like, like, Holy Spirit evidence on their lives. And so Mary does that. She, she surrounds herself with Elizabeth. Elizabeth is now filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there's two people filled with the Holy Spirit, and God's starting to move. The second thing we learn about the right people is this. She exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, think about Elizabeth's perspective. Elizabeth is six months pregnant. She'd been barren her whole life and she gets to birth John the Baptist who has been prophesied about. That's an incredible calling. An amazing calling. And then Elizabeth, and then Mary walks in. Oh, what are you doing here, Mary? Well, I'm having a baby. Let me tell you about him. Elizabeth, my friends, is an amazing woman too. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. And when she sees Mary walk in, what does she do? She speaks hope and life into Mary's calling. Blessed are you. Amazing. Look how great this is. Mary, this is amazing. And this is incredible. And people, what we need in our lives when God has called us to something is people filled with the Holy Spirit who are around us who are going to speak hope and life into what it is that God has called us to do. 
People that aren't going to look and they're not going to bring up your past and they're not going to bring up how you failed and they're not going to bring up why you're not good enough. And, and Elizabeth isn't going to look at Mary and say, well, you know, Mary, you are a virgin or, or, you know, Mary, like you and Joseph, like, you know, Mary, like you live in Nazareth. Like, you know, I'm like, no, she's just going to say, blessed are you. Yeah, I can see God's doing something in you. Like we need people around us who are going to do that. If I ever grew frustrated early on in um, this uh, in this church, if I ever grew frustrated, Tom would always look at me and be like, "You're not supposed to be a plumber." I'm like, "You're right." Lindsay fixes all the toilets in our house. <laughs> True story. But what was he doing? He's like. I'm not letting you quit. You're not supposed to be a plumber. Keep preaching. You need people who are going to speak hope into your promise. Because there, there is hope and redemption, and there are things that are supposed to be birthed out of you, my friend. And so, like, if you don't have the right people in your life right now, like, let me just take a second and say to you, I don't care what has happened in your past. Jesus forgave it on the cross. I don't care what other people have labeled and defined you as. Jesus redefined you on the cross. I don't care what you're scared of. Jesus took care of our greatest enemy on the cross. Like, there is hope in the promise that God has planted in you. And we need you to walk it out. We need you to birth it. Like the 12-year pregnancy needs to end. You're like, well, I don't know if I feel prepared. Okay, so here are some steps of preparation. But let's remember that every step along the way here, it is the Holy Spirit who is ultimately preparing and doing the work. So we got to surround ourselves with the right people. Why is this granted to me? This is verse 33, the third thing we learn. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth just looks at me like, hey, why, 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 why do I get to be in your presence, Mary? Like, why are you here? Here's what Elizabeth's doing. She's not elevating her calling over Mary's calling. She doesn't turn the conversation back around like we so often do. Say, well, let me tell you about what God's doing in my life. Now, I know sometimes that's okay. But I think the wisdom we see here of Elizabeth is she's looking at Mary and she's going, yeah, how can I just come alongside yours? See, what we can't ever get into is this like calling comparison where we elevate one person's calling over another's. One person's what God wants to birth in them over. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not like practical implications to some of this stuff and, and everything like that, but, but we have to be able to look at each other and say, I'm excited about what God is doing in you, and I want to serve what God is doing in you. I want to see you birth what God has put you on this planet to do in spreading hope and redemption. And by the way, when Elizabeth does this to Mary, when she doesn't elevate her calling, parents pay attention, when she doesn't elevate her calling over Mary's calling, her son is going to get born and he's going to say the words, I must decrease and he must increase. So as the mother, so goes that child. 
That there are actually spiritual principles that when they're alive in us, then like God then passes those on to our children. Like I want August and Reagan to see spiritual principles that are alive in me. All right, and then pick those up and carry them on. And so Elizabeth actually, like, like, like her impact doesn't stop here. Like it, it, it's carrying on then. What a beautiful thing. And why is this granted to me? For the mother of my Lord should come to me. Now here in 44 and 45, we'll wrap it up. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. How do you know you're headed in the right direction in the calling and the people that you've put in your life and, and the practical steps that you're starting to walk out? How do you know? Because at this point, then joy begins to surround it. Doesn't mean that it's not difficult. Doesn't mean that there's still not going to be hurdles that you're going to have to hop over, right? But like when you start to get ready and prepared, then joy begins to follow it. So let me tell you about the walk. We had lunch or breakfast at this very nice place out there. And then um, when the one guy who didn't have a coat got a coat, and then when the other guy who hadn't been mentally prepared for it, you know, and 18-mile walk, now knew that he was on an 18-mile walk. Like, the second half of the walk, there was like, now we were sore, and we were tired, and I can't bend over completely today, but, but there was, like, a joy in the process of walking back, because now we were all prepared for what we had ahead of us. Oh, and when God, and when you through his Holy Spirit, move through this process, then a joy begins to turn on. And it's a joy in you. It's a joy around you. And it's a joy that begins carrying on to other people. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This reminds us of last week. Mary's hope was in God's word. She prepared herself and then joy began to spread. But as we end, it reminds us of the fifth point here of preparing ourselves for what God wants to do. And it is the complete reminder that even the fulfillment of our calling isn't about us. It's not about us. I mean, Mary births the most famous child in the world. She says, I'm just a servant. I'm just a servant. Why? Because Mary knew that even her incredible calling wasn't ultimately about her. It was about Christ coming and bringing redemption and hope to the world. And my friend, even you and your calling, how, how great and grand that I hope that it is. Ultimately, it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do on the other side of it. It's about the hope that he wants to pass on. In a minute, Brittany, who read this morning, uh, is going to walk us through the next Advent. As an example, I, I've watched Brittany kind of walk through this process over the last few years. I remember early on her telling me something like, like I think God, like, like I feel like I, under, I have a good grasp of Scripture. She's been humble in this and like talking through this. And, and like she's asking me questions and talking about like what she feels like God was like birthing in her. Okay, and Brittany's also had four kids, so that happened too. But like metaphorically, like what God wanted to do. And, and there were times when we were looking and say, okay, let's start here and let's start there and let's be faithful here. And like over these four years, I've seen God like preparing her. 
Now, Brittany leads a Bible study in our church. I think it's the largest Bible study that we have. Meets on Thursday nights if you want to join her. Because Brittany's been given the spiritual gift of knowledge. When she opens up scripture, things pop off the page. Like when I don't know what to write about in a sermon, I ask Brittany. <laughs> and I've watched this happen. But the other day, I was talking to one of the college students who attend that Bible study. And I said, how's the Bible study going? And she goes, man, I was like tearing up because God was speaking to me so much. Because in the end, the Bible study launching and it growing isn't even about Brittany. It's about the student who receives it. And for all of us, whatever God would call us to do, it's ultimately not about us. It's not anything other than, man, I'm just a humble, refined servant of the Lord. It's about what God does on the other side of it. And so my friend, let me tell you, we need you to birth what God has placed inside of you. We need you to walk through this process and to walk with it with humility and refinement because on the other side of that is when God's going to do incredible work. And joy is going to surround it. And hope and redemption are going to come from it. So wherever you're at in the process this morning, I hope this helps you take the next step. Let's pray. Father, I look at a room full of people who you want to use to spread redemption and hope. For some of them, they're in a season right now where, where they're in secret. And I pray that they would just soak in the presence of God, develop all of the skills and talents and understanding they need walk through whatever difficulty they might face and get ready for what it is that you're going to call them to do. I pray for every student or young person in this room that soaking in the presence of God would just become a part of who they are, that they would just be storing up account for the future. And Father, all of our callings are different and may we not elevate one over the other. But I pray that you would birth out of each person in here exactly what it is that you have placed them on this planet to do. Why you have placed them in this church. Why you have placed them in their place of work. Why you have placed them in their family. And what the enemy wants to do is knock us off course is to use one of these steps along the way as the reason we stop. And so, Lord, where there's been a pause, I pray you would use today to restore a heart, to get it moving again. Because we all want to experience the joy that comes from you, or from watching you move through other people. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connect card. 
You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.